All right, and welcome to episode number 24 of the Loser Hour. And this week I am going to talk about some just random things um, that are on my mind, I guess, this week. Um, uh, Just some stuff that that I saw just throughout the last couple days, uh, either, you know, scrolling through through uh, Twitter or just uh, watching different um, YouTube videos, stuff like that. And then I also am going to just talk about uh, Martin Scorsese and uh, his, um, his his different films that he's made throughout the years, getting uh, in preparation for his uh, new one that's coming out, The Irishman. And I'll just, you know, maybe briefly talk about the Nationals winning the World Series, um, the the highlight of them winning the World Series to me is them going to the fucking White House and, and God fucking that if you have 25 minutes to spare, I will play a clip later because it is just fucking hilarious of just the way fucking just, oh my God, Trump is just, he, he every single fucking player that he mentioned in his speech, he had to call them up in the middle of the speech. Hey, come up here. So I'll, I'll get into that because that shit was just so funny. But just jumping right into it. So I saw this just recently um, today while I was just scrolling through Twitter. Um, and I saw Bill Gates name pop up and he, he had done an interview with uh, someone where, you know, people are, you know, just losing their shit over it. So just some quotes from, from the interview. Um, this is from, uh, uh, fuck what? Teddy Schleifer or whatever the fuck, I don't know how the fuck you say his name on on Twitter he he posts all this um, and they're all quotes from from his interview with with uh, Bill Gates and this is uh, what he had to say about this whole uh, wealth tax so just a little um, you know heads up this this you know maybe the whole beginning 15 20 minutes of this show is going to be kind of a little little political so if you don't want to listen to any political stuff just skip ahead to like the 20 minute mark because uh yeah, this I'm mean, I just going to get into some, just some different political stuff. So, Bill Gates on the wealth tax. Uh, he's he said um, I've paid over ten billion in taxes. I've paid more than anyone in taxes. If I had to pay twenty billion, it's fine. But when you say I should pay a hundred billion, then I'm starting to do a little math of what I have left over. So, you know, he's worth a hundred and six billion. So you know it, it. This is and this is all. He's saying this because of this um, Elizabeth Warren, you know, um, and Bernie Sanders type of, you know, we're going to tax these billionaires and we're going to take the money from them and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So he's saying, you know, I, I this is another really rich person who, you know, most of their life they've leaned liberal when it comes to political leanings. And they're like, they don't even... F- fucking support the the people running for the fucking democratic party pretty much so he went on to um this uh schleifer he went on to ask if uh gates would be willing to meet with elizabeth warren and he uh said i quote i'm not sure how open-minded she is or if she'd even be willing to sit down with somebody that has that large amounts of money so that just comes from, you know, this is somebody who, who he, he has no idea who she is, you know, he, he, just from what he's seen on TV and from what he's read. And this is a guy that donates a lot of money to charity and he pays a lot of money in taxes. And I, that's the thing I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand. The, the more money you make, the more they tax you. And if you make a lot of money like Bill Gates, you get a fuck ton of money taken away from you in taxes. And, you know, it's like the argument from people is always, oh, well, they have more money than, you know, than anybody could ever imagine having. So why not? Like, that's a mute point to me because, you know, someone like Bill Gates, he built an empire. You know, he built something from nothing. He employs fucking so many goddamn fucking people. It's, it's, it's not even an argument. It's like the guy made a ton of money, yes. He has a ridiculous amount of money, yes. He's a, a philanthropist with his money. He spends his money on charity. He donates a lot of fucking money to charity. More money than most fucking millionaires would. More money than most politicians would. 
if you if you look at how politicians donate to charity, yeah, they donate to charity, but they don't donate nowhere near as much as someone like Bill Gates does, a billionaire like that. Most of these billionaires, they have fucking too much money that they know what to do with, and taxing them fucking a ridiculous amount is not the answer, and it doesn't make any sense. It just it pisses these types of people off, and it makes them want to leave. Do you want big industries like this to leave this fucking this country? It's like he was able to come here, you know, like, and just build this, you know, this empire. People are all fucking, they do this, this, this type of shit. They, they think this type of way if you have a lot of money. And I don't understand it, but, you know, he, he, he doesn't agree with this, this wealth tax. And um, people don't, don't understand why. And I just find that kind of entertaining that it's like, well, he earned it. And I don't think anybody would be feeling, I don't think any of these people that criticize him would feel the same way if they had that type of money and somebody was threatening to take that, that amount of money away from you. Like he said, he has no problem paying $20 million in taxes, even 30 He probably wouldn't even care if he was paying $50 billion in taxes. But when you get up to a fucking ridiculous amount like a hundred. And then you, you know, he's left with six and he donates four and a half or five to charity. He's left with a one billion and it's like plus all, and all his revenues capped at this point. And it's like it's a ridiculous amount of money that, that then the argument's like, oh, if you can't live comfortably off a billion dollars, then, you know, fuck you. That's that doesn't mean anything. That's like, dude, he, he, he this is how much money you can at one. At what point do you say fucking enough is enough? Like, do you trust the government enough to take that money and do something with it? I fucking sure as hell don't. So, I mean, that's to me where where it's, you know. But so he goes on and asks um, if he would vote for Trump or Warren in the election. And he doesn't directly say. He says uh, he'd vote for whoever has the more professional approach to the presidency, even if he disagrees with them. I hope the more professional candidate is elected is the most his his quote was I hope the the more professional candidate is the electable candidate, so you know he's um he's just there's a whole bunch of stuff he's open to uh, taxing these uh, philanthropic gifts to private foundations and um then they he asked him if um, they should abolish billionaires and he said. Maybe I'm just too biased to think that if you create a company that's super valuable, that at least some part of that you should be able to have a little bit of consumption and the balance to do philanthropic things, which is 100% correct. You know, and, and it's like people will still say, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's still too much money, you know, all that kind of sh- shit. And it's like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. So he was asked, um, why doesn't he um, spend billions on, on U.S. elections? And he says he chooses not to participate in large uh, political donations. Um, he says there are times it, feel, it might feel tempting to do so, and there are other people who choose to do so, but I just don't want to grab that gigantic megaphone. So he's not into that type of, you know... So they wouldn't have any problem. Elizabeth Warren probably wouldn't have no problem at all if, if he donated a billion dollars to her, you know. But he, you know, he doesn't dip his toe in that type of stuff, and he's a billionaire. So boom, you know, he's automatically just attacked. But yeah, it's a it's a really good article. There's um, a lot of uh, really good stuff in there. So yeah, if you, you want to check that one out, it's trending on Twitter right now. So, and you can see this whole thread at uh, this uh, Teddy Schleifer guy's. Uh, uh, Twitter. He's got the whole thread up. So there's that. And then this whole, you know, um, so where, you know, obviously it's all, it's all impeachment, impeachment, impeachment type of thing. Uh, you know, impeachment gate, you know, uh, is what we're dealing with. And today I, I just, I loved, um, what Rand Paul said to Congress and, uh, I'm going to play a clip of that and then I'll explain why I like it so much because it just, to me, it it shows everything that I hate about like the current political world that we're in. And so, yeah, I'm going to play a clip of that for you real quick. 
reserving the right to object. I support whistleblowers, and I do think that they have a role to play in keeping government accountable. They shouldn't lose their jobs or be prosecuted because of their willingness to speak. But what we have seen over the last few years is that we have a system that we should continue to refine. When Edward Snowden exposed the breadth of unconstitutional government spying, that everything you can do can be seen and stored by the government without cause, without an individualized order, in secret, in bulk, in defiance of the Fourth Amendment, not one finger was raised by those voices who are so proud now to defend whistleblowers. Not one of them stood up for Edward Snowden. Many, in fact, here in Congress condemned him. They wanted to bring him to trial. Senators talked about hanging him from the closest tree, about executing him. People called into question his motives. Hillary Clinton implied that Edward Snowden was a foreign spy. Chuck Schumer now, who has so, such outrage and such defense of the whistleblower statute, lifted not one finger for Edward Snowden. In fact, he called him a coward. So really, I think that the outrage we see here is selective outrage, and it is because they are intent on overturning the election of the people. They are intent on removing Trump from office no matter what, and they will use whatever means they can to do it. Interestingly, though, despite all of these people calling Edward Snowden a traitor, Congress ended up abolishing the bulk collection program that he exposed. Congress knew that they had done something illegal, that by collecting all of your metadata, all of your phone call data, without the permission of a judge, that it violated the Fourth Amendment. They knew that he had probably become the greatest whistleblower of all time. And yet, where are the voices defending Edward Snowden now? Not one of these people who fake outrage over this whistleblower and President Trump and the impeachment, not one of them will stand up for Edward Snowden they would still put him in jail for life if they could. All right. So, yeah, everything he said there is just, you know, it's it's 100% accurate. It's it, it I I saw that clip today and I just started laughing. And it, to me this is this is this is my point of of playing the clip here is it proves the fucking hypocrisy that goes on in, in politics and how so many fucking people just buy into this bullshit and just fucking eat every single bit of it up without any bit of fucking evidence to anything or whatever. Like, whatever the situation may be, they just fucking jump into it. The whole whistleblower thing. You know, fucking... There, he, he, did, he was speaking with media after that and you know, got into a little spat with one of the media ladies who said something along the lines of, you know, asked him why he wants the identity of the whistleblower. And he said, he, he went to answer and he was like, I don't want the identity. You know, it was like he, they have an obligation. And she was like, you're wrong. And he's like, if you'd listen to what I have to say. And it's, it's, you know, he, the the whistleblower was being paid by Joe Biden, who this whole thing is a whole, you know, it's a clusterfuck of bullshit. So this guy had an interest in this conversation with Trump and this president of Ukraine. So this guy needs to be called to testify because of that. And it, and it's nothing to do with fucking hiding it. Keep, like, he has the right to keep his identity hidden. That is true, but this is a different situation because he was an employee of one of the people who is being investigated for this so-called, you know, that's going to be, that's involved in what this investigation is about. He was an employee of, that's a conflict of interest type of situation. And Rand Paul is pointing out right there something so utterly perfect in front of all these people in Congress. Hey, remember Edward Snowden? You guys hated him. He's the biggest whistleblower in history. And guess what? If he came back right now, you'd lock his ass up for the rest of his life. But you, the same people that would do that, are praising this so-called whistleblower who's keeping his, his cell phone anonymous, even though it's not a secret in Washington. Most people in Washington that are that are you know, anything, know who the fuck the person is, the public just doesn't. So 
that it, it it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. It's it's just this is a, a fucking bunch of nonsense bullshit. These fucking ridiculous fucking Democrats that fucking can't figure out if they want to fucking beat Trump at the polls or if they want to impeach or whatever. I don't fucking know, but they're not going to be able to impeach him. So this is just a fucking ridiculous waste of time. If you think about what they have spent their time on doing instead of working with this fucking guy and trying to get some stuff done on common ground issues, these fucking people have spent two and a half years on this Russia investigation and now they're going to spend the rest of his presidency a year and a half to two more years on this fucking ukraine bullshit it's just an it's it's total nonsense it's just fucking total nonsense so you know another this is another nonsense story but you know tulsi gabbard has been you know she's she's uh, she is a democrat she's a smart democrat she's one that that i that you know i don't agree with her on everything i don't agree with her on on foreign policy but that's, you know, that's how politics work. You don't have to fucking agree with everybody. But I like what she stands for because she goes out there and she wants to talk about actual fucking issues that are going on. And she wants to get to the point. And, you know, over the last few weeks, people have been, these crazy fucking leftists have been saying she's a Russian asset and all this shit. And Hillary Clinton said she was a Russian asset. Just like she's being groomed by the Russians as a, a third party, all this bullshit. So she went on fucking um, The View today with all those fucking squawking chickens. And uh, Joy Behar, the one, you know, one of the worst fucking people to be on TV. Like, it's just like, what the fuck? She asked what her evidence was that Hillary Clinton's a warmonger. And it's like, She's like, I served in fucking Iraq and I served in a war that this fucking woman supported. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's just complete ridiculousness, complete ridiculousness. This is somebody in their own fucking party. (laughs) It just, they have these ridiculous candidates that are supposed to match up against Trump, like Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, that is, oh my God. Elizabeth Warren versus Trump would be a fucking heyday at, at, for, for these, uh, these debates. They'd be hilarious. You know how many fucking times he would call her out on lying about all the shit she's lied about? Bernie Sanders would be the same shit. He would call him out on all the fucking commie history that this guy has. Fucking, oh my God. Joe Biden is the only one that's, that is somewhat strong, even though he's old as fuck. He, 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 at least appeals to people that are somewhat moderate because these other two fucking main candidates are crazy. So moderates, you know, they, they, they like old fucking creepy Joe, but I mean, you know, I like fucking, I like Tulsi Gabbard and I like fucking Andrew Yang as they're the two that go out there and they talk about fucking like things that people want to hear. And it's not that they're pandering. They're fucking like issues, real fucking issues. Pandering is Beto O'Rourke who fucking, you know, Beto bowed out of his, uh, of the race, you know. Oh, Beto. That fucking guy is like the most irritating fucking person. He just panders to every fucking group that he can possibly pander to. You know, he, he um, we're coming for your guns and I mean we're coming for your guns. I'm not fucking, I mean we're coming, you know, it's like, all this fucking bullshit that he he says. It's like, dude, you're pandering. Like, he, he tweeted one day, uh, legalize uh, marijuana federally. It's like, oh my god, dude. Like, and and I smoke fucking weed. It's, it's just like he's just a fucking panderer. This guy is pandering. Stop fucking accepting this asshole. Let him fucking go. He's an idiot. He doesn't fucking know anything. He fucking says uh, that we live in one of the most racist countries on the fucking planet. He is an idiot. And people like that need to fucking go away. Like he got, the only reason he's fucking relevant is because he ran a race against fucking Ted Cruz and everybody hates Ted Cruz. And he still lost to fucking Ted Cruz. So this guy needs to go the fuck away. Like fucking go away. He's, he's just a stupid fuck. People need to pay attention to fucking Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. People like that. Fuck Kamala Harris. She's a fucking crook. Fuck Cory Booker. All those fucking people are dumb. They're just dumb. They don't fucking stand a chance. So it's just fucking 
It's a, it, at this rate, it's four more years of fucking Trump. And I fucking, I'll, I mean, I have to say this every fucking time I talk about the guy. I'm not a fucking Trump supporter, but goddamn, he is fucking entertaining. And if there's four more years of this shit, I do not care. I have no fucking problem with it. Because, I mean, the, the economy's good. Yeah, he says some dumb shit here and there that, you know, people don't like, but everybody says dumb shit all the fucking time. And some people get more outraged by other shit. You know, speaking of that, the whole, uh, you know, the, the this is the thing about, you know, the media, they won't give um, they won't give the Trump administration and Trump himself any credit for anything. Well, the Trump administration, they, um, you know, they, they last week they killed um, the leader of ISIS. And they have been kind of making a fucking big deal about what Trump said in his speech. He made this fucking, you know, he, he died like a dog and all this, you know, all this shit. Comparing it to, oh, when we fucking killed bin Laden, uh, fucking, you know, Obama was so <coughs> respectful and blah, 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 blah. So I just thought that was really funny, too, because it's like, dude, he killed the fucking leader of ISIS. You guys hate this guy so much. You're finding a fucking reason to to like not give him credit, like where credit's fucking deserved. Like he's he's already fucking been the first president to ever meet with fucking North Korea's fucking leader. Like and, and now he's killed the leader of ISIS. So he's done some fucking positive things. He's done some fucking positive things. So I, I'm sitting here from like when he before he was elected, I fucking hated the guy. I was like, fuck this guy. This is a joke. Like everybody else. It's like this is such a fucking joke. And the more it's gone along, I just like, he doesn't fucking affect my life. He's entertaining as fuck. And, and he's, like I said, he says some dumb shit, but everybody says dumb shit all the fucking time. Go read these fucking crazy leftist shit on Twitter. Go fucking read AOC's Twitter for one day and you'll be like, God damn, she's fucking stupid. This is just a different kind of stupid. Yeah, she's not fucking going on there and fucking, you know, saying stupid shit like Trump, but it's a different kind of stupid, you know, so you get what I'm fucking saying. People get what I'm saying. You know, that was my point on the whole uh, ISIS leader thing is. Um, so he, the media hates him so much that, um, so the Daily Wire, they released this this meme of a dog being given the Medal of Honor, which was like, you know, it was a meme. It was a dog being with Trump behind him, giving him a Medal of Honor, basically, with a, with a paw in the middle. And it, this is not real. It's a meme. Like, this is a joke. And the Washington Post and the New York Times, they must not know what memes are or they just don't know what jokes are or they're just fucking stupid because they ran with this as a national fucking story that Trump was spreading fake news because he retweeted it. He retweeted it and said some shit about, oh, the, the real the the real dog would be, you know, is much better or whatever. The real Rambo or whatever the fuck his name is, is much better. And oh, my God, they had a heyday with this. They had a heyday with this. It's a fucking meme. This is just the, the fucking media, dude. The Washington Post, the New York Times. People read these fucking publications and think these are legitimate news publications. They are fucking idiots. There are some people that write there that are good writers. There are some people that write there that are total fucking garbage. The, the people that wrote that fucking story and covered it as national news are fucking idiots. They're fucking idiots. If you covered a fucking meme that literally had a watermark in it for the fucking publication that made it, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is the kind of shit that it's just four more years, please, God, because I love it. It's so fucking funny, dude. Like, people get infuriated by it. I laugh my ass off. This is so stupid. It's so fucking stupid. People are so goddamn dumb. I love it. I love how fucking dumb everybody is. So, I mean, we're going to... um I'll segue into the sports thing, but it's still political in a way. I'm going to play another clip. Um, I'm going to have a couple more clips once I get into Scorsese, but I'm going to play a clip. This is funny. Um, Trump introing the Nationals. Like I said, this was the fucking funniest video. This is another just like example of him being f hilarious to me. 27 minute long video of his, you know, them introducing him at the, at the White House, but I'm going to play the opening clip of it. I'm going to play that for you right now. Well, thank you very much, everyone. I have to say, this is a record. We've never had this many people on the front lawn of the White House, so congratulations. Just another record for the Nats. But today, the First Lady and I are thrilled to welcome to the White House 
the 2019 World Series champions, the Washington Nationals. For the first time in nearly 100 years, our nation's capital is celebrating a World Series victory. That's big stuff. So, I mean, come on, that's Trump at his fucking Trumpiest. That is just the, like, the beginning. And it's like every, he, he, he has like a speech that should take 10 minutes. And it continues on and on and on and on because he just fucking, you know, he, he has to fucking do his thing. So he's just throughout the entire fucking thing. He's like, you know, standing behind him is the general manager, Mike Rizzo and manager Dave Martinez. And he's mentioning them throughout and looking back to them. And then he's, you know, throughout he's calling, he's talking about the games and he's mentioning players names. And then he'll go, you know, First, it was Kurt Suzuki. Where are you, Kurt Suzuki? Come up here. And Kurt Suzuki's coming up there, and he's fucking wearing a MAGA hat. And it's just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> Say something, Kurt. Say something. It's just like he gets up there, and he's like, I love everybody. Thank you, DC. It's, like, so awkward. Then Trump just continues, and, you know, Max Scherzer, he pitched his heart out. This, this, and this. And he starts naming off the stats from the games. And then, where are you, Max? Come up here, Max. And Scherzer comes up, and it's each fucking player. Where's where's Juan Soto? Juan Soto, where are you at? And Juan Soto comes up there. He just turned 21. He's just like barely speaks any English. He goes up there. He's just like, uh, I love DC. Uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Love you guys. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's so fucking funny. He did that with Anibal Sanchez. Anibal Sanchez barely speaks any English. He's just like, uh, I, I, you don't know how much this means to my family and uh, thank you DC. And it's just like Trump has no fucking clue. And he's just like clapping behind him. And he's just like, great. Each person walks away. Great job. That, that was great job, Steven. Great job. Like after Strasburg, great job, Ryan. You know, the only fucking, the only player to say anything to Trump was Ryan Zimmerman. And you know, the crowd did not give a fuck because this was, this was, I was explaining this to some people that, this was weird. This was like not a pro Trump crowd. This was a fucking nationals crowd. This was, we just won the fucking world series crowd and the world series is in our fucking hometown now in the fucking there at the white house. Like we're showing up like they're fucking showing up. Like it's the fucking parade, you know, they're showing up. So that was DC out there. And like Trump said, it was a record crowd. It was a record crowd on the White House lawn because they were there to see the fucking nationals. And of course, Trump has to make it about himself, but it wasn't about him. But when Ryan Zimmerman said the shit to Trump, you know, fucking he said, you know, he did his whole thing about because he was the first draft pick. He did his whole thing, though, about, you know, that, um, you know, being in Washington and the fans and this, this and this. And then he and thank you for all your support and this kind of the spiel that everybody was going with. And then before he like he finished up and then he looked over to Trump and he said, and to you, Mr. President, thank you for having me and having us here. And thank you for keeping our country safe and continuing to make America great or whatever it was, you know, and he's an obvious Trump supporter. And that got, you know, not that big of a reaction, but people didn't give a fuck because they were there to see the fucking nationals at the white house, their world series champions. So it was a weird, you know, it was a, it was a different type of Trump crowd, but God, that shit was fucking entertaining. If you have 27 minutes to spare and, and Trump doesn't make you want to kill yourself, which is, seems to be a very minimal amount of people. But if you're one of those people that listens, that, that doesn't give a fuck, listen, just go watch this shit. It's so fucking funny. So entertaining. Some of the guys have no idea. And they're just like, they know, like, after he did it to, like, five guys, some guys knew it was coming. So it was like, oh, fuck. And they took how long to get up there. And he was not letting, like, Astrubal Cabrera took forever to get up there. And then he got up there. And he was kind of like, oh, fuck. And Trump kept talking. So he was like, cool, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm out of it. So then he 
kind of tried to sneak off and tuck himself away. And he goes, where's this Drubal? And then he saw him and he goes, look at that head of hair on you. Because he's got bleach blonde hair all curly. I was like, oh my fucking God. It's just, it, it's so fucking funny. It's like our fucking, this this guy is, he's a, he's a stand-up comedian. He's just this fucking stand-up comedian. He's fucking hilarious. But um, that's enough about all this, you know, political bullshit. Um, Martin Scorsese. So... Martin Scorsese is someone to me, um, you know, all, all of his, all of his films are just like, they're, they're, they're just fucking, they're something else. You know, I, I grew up on, on his, his movies, you know, I, I watched Goodfellas and Casino when I was a really young kid, just, just, you know, I, I, I come from an Italian family so it was like you know I would go over to my cousins on Christmas and and there would be you know Godfather playing in Casino and Goodfellas and w- whenever we'd go on vacation in Tahoe and stuff like that those movies were always playing I never understood what the fuck was going on but I always just you know those movies were were playing the first time I saw Taxi Driver I was like 13 and that might have been the first time I saw The Departed as well around the same age. I might have been about 14 when I saw The Departed. I, you know, you know Taxi Driver I had no fucking idea. I, I just, I didn't understand it at all. Um, the Departed I didn't understand either. I, I just, it took, it took multiple watches for me to, to get those movies. But, and I was also just a young kid and I didn't understand stuff like that. But I, at that point I was like, who the fuck, you know, when I was, when I was getting older, you know, probably about 15, 16, I was like, you know, I have to know like all. I have to know who this guy is that made this. At at the time, that the Departed was one of my favorite movies, and um, I was just you know it, it. It was one of those movies that like it came out, and I was yeah I was fourteen, and I saw it, and then it was just like I I would watch it like I I had to understand it. I didn't get it, so I had I kept watching it to understand it and. Finally, I, I, I understood it, and then I was just like, whenever I would go to school, I would tell people, you have to watch this movie, you know, and nobody wouldn't, you know. So that was the type of, around the time, I was like, okay, I have to figure out who this guy is. And I looked it up, you know, I was like, oh, okay, it's, it's Martin Scorsese, and then I, what else is he directed? And then I go down the list, and I'm like, oh, shit, fucking Gangs of New York. I, I fucking love that movie. Like, I just recently saw that one. And I was like, that's so sick. And then I was, oh, Goodfellas and Casino and fuck, Taxi Driver. Oh, shit. So then I was like, I got to just, you know, I got to figure everything out. So here's an entire list of everything that's been a um, a narrative film that Scorsese's directed. I've left out like TV series, shorts and documentaries and stuff like that. He's done various documentaries. He's done um, like the George Harrison living in a material world Um He's he's done a lot of music documentaries, um, and he's done different TV type of like he did the uh, he did an episode of um, of Boardwalk Empire, he did an episode of that uh, fuck what's that show um, Vinyl from a couple of years ago, and uh, he he did the pilot of that. So he's he's done some stuff like that. He did a, a TV documentary series called uh, American Masters about Bob Dylan. He did the Michael Jackson number one uh, video documentary. Um, he also did the Last Waltz, the band, um, like live concert documentary type of thing. So he's done quite a bit of documentaries and music music related stuff and stuff like that. But this is all his narrative films. So from starting in 1967, and um, I'll go along with the ones I've seen and haven't seen. So I, I, there's still quite a bit I haven't seen out of this list, but I've seen most of them. So out of the 1967, his first film, um, Who's That Knocking at My Door? I own this film. Uh, it's black and white, Harvey Keitel. Um, I don't really remember much about this movie. Um, it's been years since I've seen it. I was, It was one of the, like, right when I dove down the rabbit hole, I just pretty much bought everything that I could get my hands on. And, um, so the, I remember it was something, you know, he, he has, he, he, um, fuck, what was it? 
trying to think. It, it has something to do with fucking with um, like his his girlfriend was like assaulted or some shit. I can't remember. But Harvey Keitel is like he, he he's like struggling to deal with the fact that his 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 girlfriend was was assaulted or, or, or beaten or some I can't remember. It was some some along the lines of that. But um, it's in black and white, and it's 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 a solid movie. But I I really can't tell you much about it because I I just can't really remember. It's just been so long. But um, I do still own that movie, so I gotta um catch. A, I I gotta go back on some of these, seeing that you know that the Irishman is coming out, and um, so after that, nineteen seventy two uh, box boxcar Bertha. Now I've never seen this one. Um. Couldn't tell you nothing about it. It's, uh, let's see what it's, uh, let's see. Boxcar Bertha. So, this is starring, uh, David Carradine and Barbara Hershey. And Barbara Hershey is Boxcar Bertha. And it is during the Great Depression, a union leader and a young woman become criminals to enact revenge on a management of the railroad. It's kind of like a little Bonnie and Clyde type of story. So uh, there is Boxcar Bertha in 1972, 1973 Mean Streets. Now, this is a movie that uh, I fucking I, I own this movie. I love this movie. This is a, like the first of the mob movies that he started to do. Like this was kind of like, you know. Uh, Scorsese, Italian American, you know, he grew up in like the Sicilian type of life, and it's like you know he he just this is the type of neighborhood he grew up in. So this is kind of more of like his first two movies. He this is the 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 brilliant thing about Scorsese. He never writes his stuff. He he gets good writers. So he he just directs with his vision and and using the the good script and the characters. He's he's very character based. So he. The, the first two films, you know, who, who's that knocking on my door being his first? It's like a, it's, it's just a slow drama. And Boxcar Birthday, like I said, I couldn't tell you anything about it. It seems like it's, it's kind of like a, you know, action type of drama type of thing, you know. But Mean Streets is like what you would come to know Scorsese by. When you'd see Mean Streets, you'd think, oh, this has got to be, you know, it's a young Bobby De Niro. It's, this has got to be something that is related to in some way goodfellas and all this kind of stuff. So it and it is through through Scorsese. Mean Streets has a fucking great fight scene where um fucking one of the guys calls the bartender a mook. He's like, What'd you call me? And he's like, I called you a mook. And it's just like fucking funniest thing ever. So um, that was 1973, 1974, uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. I never heard of this one. Uh, 1976 taxi driver, fucking taxi driver, man. I fucking love taxi driver. This movie is fucking awesome. It's, um, so, um, Scorsese does best is, you know, he, he's, he, he has, he dives into characters in in such an, such an authentic way that it, it it's, you kind of, you know, you, you're you there with them type of deal. And this is, in most of his films, he, he's he, he's a character-driven director. And he this, this is a character study fully on someone that, you know, is just not well and how they progress further and further and further. This movie has just some fantastic fucking dialogue in it, and it's just throughout. Um, I love... Bobby De Niro in this movie, he's just fucking weird. In the beginning, you feel so bad for him. You're just like, oh, God, I hope this guy like can succeed in some way. And you know what happens. And just every time, you just feel so bad for him, that Travis Bickle character. But I have a clip from this one that I'm going to play. And it's just, it's this is the the type of um, the, the performance and then the substance of what this, you know, starting from a from a character, you know, he's just a taxi driver and he's, he's awkward and he's weird and you can kind of tell he's got something wrong, but you know, he, he's, he's a veteran and slowly he's seeing the city deteriorate and he sees that he meets this woman and he 
you know, there's this fucking scene where he takes her to, he, he takes her out, you know, and he, uh, it was, uh, I believe it's Sybil, che- Sybil Shepherd. He takes her out, takes her to a fucking uh, porno, like, movie theater. And she's just like, what the fuck? And he doesn't know because he's just, he thinks that's what you're supposed to do. So I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it's so awkward and weird and, like, uncomfortable. And that's, like, where the spiral just happens, you know? She doesn't want to see him anymore. She thinks he's fucking weird. And he just is like, why? Explain to me why. And she doesn't want to. You know, it's just so, it's sad. It's pitiful. And then, you know, you're like, what the fuck? You feel bad for him. But then he just escalates. And, you know, he starts buying, you know, he buys guns. There's a great scene where he buys guns. But uh, the clip I'm going to play is just some dialogue of this is where Travis's mind is at. And this is right after the whole, you know, you talking to me talking to me like he's already he's figured out how he's going to carry his guns with him in his in his jacket and nobody's going to see and how he can quick draw everything out and this is just where travis the character is at as a person so i'll play that for you listen you fuckers you screwheads here is a man who would not take it anymore who would not let listen you fuckers you screwheads here is a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the cunts, the dogs, the filth, the shit. Here is someone who stood up. Here is... Yeah, so the whole, uh, you, the whole, you get the whole idea. The, just the mind, everything, the mindset. So... I'm going to quickly just run down this list, and then I'll go over, like, my top. So 1977, New York, New York. 1980, Raging Bull. 1982, The King of Comedy. 1985, After Hours. 1986, The Color of Money. 1988, The Last Temptation of Christ. 1990, Goodfellas. 1991, Cape Fear. 1993, The Age of Innocence. 1995, Casino. 1997, Kundum, 1999, Bringing Out the Dead, 2002, Gangs of New York, 2004, The Aviator, 2006, The Departed, 2010, Shutter Island, 2011, Hugo, 2013, The Wolf of Wall Street, 2016, Silence, and 2019, The Irishman. So... That is um, quite a list. And, you know, he's just, to me, I, I think, when I think Scorsese, I think of, I think of characters, like authenticity in, in characters, every bit. Like, when you're watching Goodfellas, you feel like, you know, those are, are real type of characters, real mobsters, and some of them you feel bad for. And that's, you know, his, his whole point, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's trying to show you the good and the evil of people. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're still human beings. And that's why I've always just loved the way he, he goes about things in the direction of his films. It's just, there's, there's authenticity in everything in the characters in the detail around the world that you're in in the camera shots, you know, and all the different angles that he uses the music, the, his choice of music in every single movie. And it, it just, the music is tied in with camera angles and different shots. And, and it's, it's just it, the lighting he uses, everything, his, his ability at creating tension out of nothing. The, in, in Goodfellas, the, the, the whole, um, you think I'm funny thing, you know, I'm, I amuse you. What am I, some sort of clown? Like that's supposed to be, you know, it's it's supposed to be this kind of loose, funny type of thing. And boom, he just fucking gets you right there with this tense moment. It's just stuff like that, man. It's, it's, he's, he's great at it. And, you know, he's catching some heat right now for saying, you know, Marvel movies aren't, aren't cinema and, you know, fuck who cares, man. Fuck all these idiots. It's like, to me, he says that he has a right to say that he makes movies that dive into characters makes you feel bad for a bad guy makes you, you know, it's most of his movies have villains throughout and you feel sympathy for the villain and, you know, and it's just, you feel their humanity, you know, all that kind of shit. 
that goes along with it. So what, what, you know, do you feel humanity for Thanos? No. Like what the fuck? And you, you do you feel any fear for any of these people? No, you don't like these movies are just paint by numbers. It doesn't mean they're not good. He said that, you know, it's, he said that in multiple interviews since he's, he's, he said they're not cinema to him. You know, they're a different type of cinema. He had to go you know, kind of retract what he said. They're a different type of cinema. You know, they're, they're, they're a spectacle, you know, but they, there's nothing on the line. You know, cinema to him is something that it, it means more. It's something more important, you know, like it's, it's character studies and development and, you know, something that just has meaning. These Marvel movies are something that's different. And like I said, he said that, and I think the same thing. He said that, you know, it doesn't mean that they they aren't hard to make. They are incredibly hard to make. And the people that make them are really skilled at what they do. And, and they're fucking just, they're not his thing. And they're, to, to, to be frank, they're, most of the comic book movies aren't really my thing. I'll watch some of them. I like the Spider-Man movies and I like the Avengers movies. That's pretty much it. I don't really, that's just not my thing. Like, I like, uh. I, it's apparent. I did a, I did an episode with Nick um, along uh, one of the first episodes I did where we talked about our, our Marvel movies and most of them I hadn't fucking seen and if I seen them I didn't really pay attention much because I just don't fucking care. This is more my my shit, you know. The two directors that came out and said that they're not cinema: Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola. Two of the movies I grew up watching as a kid, like multiple fucking times, are Goodfellas and The Godfather. It's like these two fucking guys are just, to me, they can do no wrong. So, you know, so I would have to say, like, if I'm going to rank my my top 10 Scorsese movies, uh, starting at the bottom, number 10 would be Shutter Island. Uh, number nine would be The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, number eight would be The King of Comedy. Uh, number seven, Gangs of New York. Um, number six, Raging Bull. Um, number five would be Cape Fear. Number four would be Casino. Um, number three would be Goodfellas. Number two would be The Departed. And number one would be Taxi Driver. Just Taxi Driver, D- Departed, Goodfellas, you know. That's just those those three, they kind of could be interchangeable. But Taxi Driver is at the top for me. Just that the performance, everything. The dirty New York, nasty New York that doesn't exist anymore love it i just it's so dark and nasty and dirty and you know and then you know it's just fucking great then this new uh hopefully because everybody's comparing the new joker to you know the the new joker has a lot of taxi driver and the king of comedy elements to it and hopefully because of those comparisons people will go check out taxi driver the younger crowd will go check this movie out and understand it and appreciate it instead of just being, you know, into the, the comic book area of it. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's just tons of of Scorsese moments and in, in lines of dialogue that are just fucking fantastic. Um, there is, from Gangs of New York, just Bill the Butcher, the characters. Fucking, uh, there's, Cape Fear has uh, the fucking great Max Caddy character that De Niro plays just a fucking creepy ass motherfucker. Um, the Wolf of Wall Street is, is like an epic three hour, another character study on, but it's just a totally different element. Like, you know, it's not the mob or anything like that. It's, it's a, you know, corrupt real estate or corrupt, uh, Wall Street guy, you know, and based on a true story type of thing. So, you know, it's just, he, he, he has range. Raging Bull is another fantastic, like, character study of, you know, of, of based on a true story about a boxer, um, and it's just, that's a fucking, it's black and white, and that's a, a, an amazing movie. That, that one won um, De Niro, the Academy Award. And Scorsese hadn't won an Academy Award for years and years and years. It was um, The Departed that won him the Academy Award. Which is well deserved, but man, if you look at that list, it's like fuck. He got snubbed for some fucking serious, serious shit. Like, I mean, ninety five alone, fucking Goodfellas. How did that shit not win? <coughs> I mean, good lord. But so the Irishman, the Irishman comes out here on Netflix, um, November twenty seventh at select theaters. If it's gonna be the closest place, it'll probably be playing to me, maybe Sacramento, and I will make the drive out there to see it um from what i've been reading it is 
his best work. So that's some pretty high praise. It is currently um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, last I checked, it was like 98% or some shit like that. So it's three and a half hours. I really, um, it's, you know, to me, it's like, wow, it's three and a half, 96%. So, you know, this is, this is, when I first saw three and a half hours, I was like, wow, this is not going to be good. But no, this is, uh, it, from what I've been reading, this is his best work. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, it's all, you know, it's a good year when you get a Tarantino movie and a Scorsese movie in the same year. I would have to say out of like top three, top five working directors, Scorsese, Tarantino, Christopher Nolan. So if it's like, if we got a Nolan movie right now, you know, fuck. So yeah, that's just something else right there. The cast of this movie, you know, you got uh, Robert De Niro coming back. He plays uh, Frank Sheeran. This is about, you know, um, the story of uh, mob hitman Frank Sheeran and his possible involvement in the killing of Jimmy Hoffa. So Al Pacino plays uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Jesse Plemons is in this one. Joe Pesci's back in this one. Um, Ray Romano's in, in this. Uh, Harvey Keitel. There's quite a bit of people in, in this. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to The Irishman a lot. It's going to be great. But, you know, what can I say? He's, I'm biased towards Scorsese. I'm going to love this movie regardless. It's going to be hard to beat Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that's just the best thing I've seen this year. And then, you know, right behind it is Dragged Across Concrete. I did an episode, my first episode I did on, on Dragged Across Concrete. Um, fucking amazing movie. Everybody should see that one um, from uh, S. Craig Zoller, the uh, white supremacist director, S. Craig Zoller. <laughs> so stupid. But yeah, um, I'm looking forward to The Irishman. I really am. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for this week's show. Um, yeah, um, I haven't been putting out shows as like much as I want to, you know, weekly type of deal. I've just been super, super busy. Um, a lot of like stuff going on, like uh, work, and then you know I got to move here in, in the next three weeks. So it's just a lot of stuff going on. So it's been hard to find time, you know. And after work, I get tired, and you know it's like I got a couple hours, but this takes a couple hours, and you know it's just always that whatever's on my mind is kind of mute because I'm just kind of uh, I'm, I'm just a zombie. So it's just been tough to find time when I have time. So. But I'm going to get back on, on this schedule here pretty soon, and it'll be back up and flowing weekly, which, you know, it, it'll be it'll be good. I'll cover more, like, weekly sports and shit. I mean, fuck, there's a ton of wrestling, so I'm not going to really cover that every week unless there's something notable because I'm not going to be one of those shows. I don't want to be one of those shows that just covers wrestling every week. So, yeah, like this week, was I was trying to change it up. didn't want to talk about other shit like that. So if uh, you like what you hear, you know, Follow the show on Twitter uh, and Facebook at Loser Hour and um, Spotify and um, SoundCloud and Stitcher and all that kind of jazz, you know. Until next time.